Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we explore how the story of Jesus changes everything. In order for the gospel to be central, it must be functional. I'm your host, Mark Smith. And my name is Andrew Arthur. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. everyone. If you're listening to this in the morning, we are certainly here this morning. Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast. My name's Mark. And my name's Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Um, This is episode 11, and we have a pretty exciting episode in store for you because today we get to answer a question. (laughs) We love questions. My people, we love answering your questions. If you have any of them, email gospelclarity at hallowschurch.org. We would love to answer them. And today we have a... Or at least address them if we can't answer them, because I'm sure you could stump us on something. No, no, we are going to answer everything, whether it's good or not. (laughs) You will have an answer whether you like it or not. Yeah, you're going to have an answer. Or whether it's right or wrong. Yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, So let's... Let's talk a bit about this question I wanted to remind everybody is from our last episode. It's when we talked about the sacredness of Sunday. Um, Andrew, why don't you give us maybe a little recap, just a brief summary of what that episode was about? Uh, yeah, we talked about how um, we believe as followers of Jesus that with his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the throne of the Father, as we bring all our lives underneath his lordship, underneath his reign, his rule as our king, um, as well as as we receive his Holy Spirit into our lives, um, that in so doing, that renders all of life sacred for the Christian. It renders all of life sacred for us so that the divide between the sacred and the secular no longer exists. Um, but while we say that all of life is sacred, that does not mean that all of life is the same. And so when it comes to saying, making a statement like Sundays are sacred, that is not to say that Wednesdays aren't or Fridays aren't. It's just to say that Sundays and Wednesdays aren't the same. Sundays and Fridays are not the same. That, uh, Christians, um, set apart time and space to gather together, uh, to worship Jesus and to focus their hearts affections and their minds attention upon Jesus in a very concentrated and concerted, unique way. Uh, So that on Sundays, as we gather with other believers, we're doing things that we do not do necessarily on Thursdays. Um, At least I don't in my rhythms and in our church's rhythms. And so that means that Sundays uh, occupy a unique place in my discipleship rhythm and in the rhythms of our church and of our faith family. Right. And so the question that we have addresses uh, and asks that, uh, that a question based off of last week's episode. And so this uh, question we're just going to dive into because it's two questions and we want to make sure we have time to address both of them. So this comes from Sam Chaco. Is that right? I hope that I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, Sam. Uh, thank you for submitting uh, your questions. And here we are. We're I'm saying we're answering them. Andrew might be addressing it, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. All right. This is Sam's first question. Is the emphasis about the day of the week, or should the emphasis be about the gathering of the church together for worship? I can see how Sunday is sacred here in the United States. However, I just got back from Dubai, and the church gathers on Friday over there. I've been in India, and there are parts of India where they cannot gather on Sunday morning because of fear of persecution. So they gather in secret during other times of the week. 
I don't think you mean this, but it almost puts those other Christians that are forced to meet on other days of the week in a second-class place as the church. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great thought. I'm so glad that he brought it up because it is a very important thing, and we certainly don't want to uh, call, create the impression that what Christians are doing in context where they are not free and able to gather on Sundays due to persecution or due to some other cultural restraint, uh, that they are somehow less faithful or somehow less um, uh, attuned to what God is really wanting from his people in the right. world. And yeah, so I love that question so that it allows us to draw this clarification. Um, uh, whereas we do affirm that in the scriptures, the, the, the first precedent, first generation of believers gathered on Sundays for the reasons that we stated last week in terms of it was the day that Christ was risen. It was a day uh, of light and hope and the light of the world resurrected from the grave. It was also the day that the church was birthed. We affirm all of that in scripture, but we also recognize, or at least we affirm all of that in terms of the, the history of the church and how uh, worship or the gathering of the church shifted to the Lord's day, according to first Corinthians chapter 16. But in while affirming that, that is not to say that we have created another uh, strenuous law that all believers everywhere must follow no matter what. Um, uh, we believe, uh, we, we don't want to go the way of the Pharisees who, um, missed, missed the spirit of the law for the letter of the law in just about all their dealings with the Lord. And especially when they thought about the Jewish Sabbath and how they, uh, fleshed out all these tedious rules that, um, hindered people from flourishing on the Sabbath and from being rejuvenated and kind of recreated on the Sabbath and through the Sabbath ob observance, they, uh, just heaped a lot of pressure on to how they were in applying that principle of Jewish Sabbath and the God's command to set apart that time or that day. And so we don't want to go that route. <laughs> we believe the spirit of the law is, is, in, is where we want to land on a question like this. And the spirit of the law says God wants his people to gather together um, in whatever way they are able in their, according, in their, context, in their context and in their cultural uh, position in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that Christians and disciples are gathering to study the scriptures together. They are gathering to fellowship with one another. They are gathering to break bread together. They are mm -hmm. gathering to, um, sing together, to unite their voices in song where they are expressing at the same time, the same truths about who their God is and what their salvation is all about. I mean, it's a remarkable thing when the church gathers to sing, which is why I think there's so much emphasis on it in the Bible. And so we recognize that those are incredible, incredibly significant um, expressions of worship. And we, the spirit of the law says, we just want uh, Christians to gather to engage in those dynamics. And so the spirit of the law is where I would land. And I think the spirit of the law suggests that there is freedom, that there is grace in this whole conversation. One passage of scripture that would speak to this would be John chapter four, when Jesus is having a conversation with the woman at the well, and she raises a question about the um, location of people's worship. Would should people gather to worship on this mountain or that mountain? And then Jesus assures her, "No, there's coming a day when true worshipers will worship, and when uh, my worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth, and it will not be a question of location." And you might also say that it might not entirely be a question as far as um, calendar, that uh, the, the big deal is that Christians are gathering 
in a in a discernible, identifiable assembly uh, with other believers to um, uh, to engage in a worship that is full of spirit and truth. And so Jesus essentially in that moment he simplified the worship equation so that um, the gospel might move swiftly across cultures and swiftly across people groups so that it might take root in different different contexts and then produce the fruit of salvation and the fruit of life change and the fruit of of bodies of Christ of the church of Jesus being um, present in every context and in every culture and since he simplified the occasion the uh, equation about worship uh, the gospel is able to go into those areas and you're not inviting worshipers or new disciples or new Christians into a form of worship necessarily, but you are engaging them to, um, with, the, with the substance of worship that is the gospel and Christians um, rallying together to celebrate the gospel and to grow in the gospel via their worship. Thank you, Andrew, for that, answering that question. But I think there might be a little bit more that we could address in that um, in our last episode, we had talked about the day itself. So the, the entire day is kind of uh, something maybe we should address. Are we talking um, preserving and having a freedom to um, just meet for a service? Or are we thinking about preserving the entire day and looking at the sacredness of the, the whole day for the church to gather together? I think that's an important distinction. Um, when we talk about... Um, Sundays being sacred, at least in terms of how we're weaving it into the life of our church, wanting to make disciples in that direction, we are encouraging and believing that the entire day should be consecrated in a unique way to the Lord so that we are not doing things that we would ordinarily do on Tuesday or Thursday, but we are taking some time, not just to sleep all day, but we're taking some time to um, commune with the Lord in community with other believers. Uh, perhaps we're taking some time to feast with other believers. Perhaps we're taking some time to um, to engaging the body in some very unique ways on Sundays. Um, but we also want to encourage time with the Lord just that may be concentrated, that may be more extended uh, outside of just the gathering or the assembly of the church so that a Christian is thinking through how they might um, just devote that entire day to the Lord and be not only to, to bless the Lord, but also to be ministered to by the Lord as he um, as we give that time for him to recalibrate our perspective on what matters in life, to refresh ourselves on what should be prioritized in our lives. I mean, if we don't take some concentrated time that we uh, that isn't hurried, by work and isn't hurried by the other activities that we engage in on Monday through Saturday, that isn't interrupted by all those things. If we don't, if we're unable to set aside some time, we can easily lose ourselves and lose our um, awareness of what is most important in as we journey in this life. And, the, and, you know, when you look at Acts 2.42, or when the church was birthed, and then we're given a, a picture of what of the types of rhythms the church engaged, engaged in, they, I think, committed themselves to about four things. Um, mm-hmm. They devoted themselves together to the, to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers, and to the fellowship. And I think making space for all of those dynamics to be engaged in in a unique way on Sunday, or if, you know, you're in a context where you can't do it on Sunday, you do it on Friday. Um, you know, I think what's most important is that you're finding 
time and space to engage in those elements of giving yourselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowshipping with other believers, which is more than just hanging out. It means to engage in fruitful conversations where yeah. you are speaking psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. You're encouraging each other. You're you're building each other up. Yeah, you can, um, you're confessing sin. Confessing right. sins, yeah. applying the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are breaking bread, I think, both in a feasting kind of way and in the Lord's Supper dynamic, that you would partake of the Lord's Supper, but then also think that feasting should be a regular part of how Christians fellowship with one another and set aside time on Sundays. And the reason for that is because when you feast or you sit down and you share a meal with another human being, that's a very unique moment and for you both to demonstrate the fact that you are not God, mm. the fact that you are a dependent creature, that you are not an independent creator. Uh, the reason why we have to eat is because we cannot live without sustenance coming to us from outside of us. And uh, when you sit down to feast together as Christians, it's in some ways an act of humility as you're recognizing, look, I'm not, I'm not God. I need sustenance. I need nourishment. I need food. God is providing this for me. So we want to thank him and we want to consecrate this time and enjoy his provision and, and eat not just because, or, or the goodness of God is seen that in the fact that we can feast not just to stay alive, but there's something enjoyable about food as we have taste buds and food that God has created tastes good. And so there's also a pleasure dynamic that we get to feast and enjoy um, the fact that we are not God, but we have a God who is really, really good, who meets our needs, and He um, and He works towards even filling our lives with joy and pleasure in various ways. And so, I think feasting is something that we can come back to in a future podcast because this is mm-hmm. something I really want to explore in the life of the Hallows Church and encourage exploring in various areas. Um, but the uh, but yeah, the apostles' teaching, the breaking of the bread, uh, the fellowship and the prayers, engaging in those activities on, uh, you know, if possible, Sundays, if not possible, on someday where you are engaging with your with your local church, your your family of faith on the local level, um, engaging in these rhythms. Right. Good. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, let's answer uh, Sam's next question, um, which is in some ways a think maybe a follow-up um so this is the second question our church does a gathering on saturday evenings primarily focused for those who are unable to attend church on sunday because of work we did not want them to miss gathering together because of work obligations so we created a space for them to gather now i think what he's maybe saying there is that second um is he's just giving us an example and in some ways we've kind of addressed it already but to reassure Sam on mm-hmm. um, this episode and kind of answering that question, mm-hmm. uh, we would say the spirit of the law gives us freedom for mm-hmm. them to meet because of some restrictions. Yeah, um, and I think the the qualify there, the qualify there, uh, the qualifier in his question is that they do this on Saturdays uh, for the primary purpose of creating space for those who cannot gather on Sundays, right. um, and and I think that's I think in an ideal world. All Christians everywhere would gather on Sundays, because I think that would that that's such a beautiful testimony when the world sees every Christian all over the world set aside setting aside time on the same day, whether you're living in India or you're living in the United States, to gather with your local church, and so you have churches all over the world worshiping on the same day. I think that's 
uh, a beautiful testimony and a wonderful way to make God's grace visible to the watching world is as Christians devote themselves to certain rhythms and certain unique life patterns. And so setting aside a Sunday, I think in an ideal world would be awesome, but we don't live in an ideal world. We live in a complicated world with texture and um, difficult, um, unique elements of context. Yeah, and so yeah, context. Um, so we do believe that there is freedom. We do believe in grace. We never want to choke life out of believers due to uh, an inability or too rigid of a, of a structure or too rigid of an approach to the Christian life. Right. Um, so I think in an ideal world, it'd be awesome if all Christians everywhere were gathering on Sundays at this, and obviously not at the same time, but on the same day to devote that day entirely to the Lord. But I don't think, obviously, um, obviously we don't live in an ideal world, so we yeah. can't do it. And it, But there's, there's a, there's, there's a, an imagination there. You know, you can, you can, we have, we love the idea of having, of imagining what that date would look like for the in church, for the whole church to gather together on one day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just like you've been saying, the context um, is something to, to play into. And Sam, it sounds like um, what you're doing is you're ministering well to the context and the people around you. And we want to commend you and uh, encourage you in that, that, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And um, if there's work restrictions, you know, by all means, we wouldn't um, say that you should move and change your ministry efforts. Yeah. And another, another, I guess, um, this may is going to raise some more questions, but when you think about how, why churches sometimes have gatherings on different days of the week or different nights of the week, um, not like in addition to what they do on Sunday, but in the place of what some may do on Sundays, I think you have to really think through that decision to pray about, okay, what is our motive? What is our intent? If it is to engage a demographic or a people group that cannot um, make it on Sundays, then I think that's an incredible motivation and should be followed. I think if we do it, and sometimes, um, you know, a church may decide to host a gathering on a Sunday night because they want to minister to college students on Saturday, I mean, on Saturday night because they want to minister to college students and believing that Saturday nights is kind of a cool night for college students to gather. Um, Saturday night is my coolest night. (laughs) But I think one of the challenges of that idea is you start segmenting the church and you start compartmentalizing the church into different demographics. And I think churches, I think we should think well about whether or not we are creating, uh, creating gatherings that keep the church from mixing intergenerationally and mixing, uh, demographically. Um, because I, th- I think when that happens, <clears throat> I think we, we miss something in the church. I think part of the beauty of being a part of a local church is, is having the opportunity for different generations, different demographics to stand shoulder to shoulder, singing the same songs, studying the same scriptures, confessing sins and, and hearing the gospel. I just think there's power in that. So, um, and not just power in that. I think that's the beauty of God's design in the church, that there's a reason why vast majority of the New Testament is focused on bringing Jews and Gentiles together in, in the sa- at the same time, in the same space, in the same community. Uh, Paul could have easily created a church gathering for Jews on Saturdays and a church gathering for Gentiles on Sundays. He could have easily done that. Um, but according, it seems, according to church history in 1 Corinthians 16, as well as other passages, he didn't do that. He took Jew, Christian Jews who are believing that Jesus is the Messiah, Gentiles who are trusting in the same Messiah, and he put them together and they started, um, they had some type of focused 
time on the first day of the week. Well, I hope that answers your question, Sam. And again, we want to thank you for uh, submitting those. And um, all the other listeners, if you have any questions about uh, this subject or along with anything else, we would love to answer and, as Andrew said, address, at least address <laughs> the, uh, the question. And so we wanted to thank you again, and we will see you next week. Thank you.